0: Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment, but before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact, it's a self-study course. You will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions we'd love to hear from you if you're watching live feel free to use the chat dialogue box to ask your questions to the presenter and if you're watching after the fact you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com, you complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code OneFreePodcast at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation, and again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome everybody, this is Excel Essentials for Staff Accountants, my name is Steve Yoss. Again, it is a pleasure being with you in our class. Uh, Today's class is going to be looking at everything I think you need to know as a staff accountant to be effective and uh, useful and productive inside of your organization. Uh, Excel is one of those things. It is the Swiss army knife of business. Uh, It's one of my favorite metaphors to use when discussing this application because it really can be and serve so many different incredible purposes for your organization. Everything from producing financial statements and doing detailed analysis to just being something thing for scratch work and figuring out and just doing a quick and dirty, uh, you know, um, analysis to figure out, you know, profitability or figuring out what uh, inventory, you know, you should purchase or carry in the coming year and more. And it's a tool that many of us have already have some experience and familiarity with, but rarely are we specifically trained on how to use this tool effectively. Uh, And so we kind of, you know, just kind of learn on the job and most of us pick up things from other people. Um, But we don't ever kind of learn what those essentials might be, you know, and what, what we could essentially do, uh, inside of this application at a ground level to really kind of be effective and powerful in this application. And what this, uh, class is aimed at is really kind of aimed at providing that deep level of foundational skill within the context of using Excel, uh, to give you the, uh, the, um, the insight and the uh, the skills necessary to not only just be able to use this application, but to really use it effectively. So in today's class, which is broken up into five different chapters, uh, we're going to be looking at you know, these fundamental principles and how we can leverage and use Excel effectively. Uh, We're going to start off first with discussing and designing our spreadsheets and what those might be. Uh, In here, we're going to talk about, uh, for example, creating navigation, creating hyperlinks, utilizing templates inside of Excel. Uh, From there, we're going to move on and take a look at formatting. And formatting, while that might seem like a really simple thing, unfortunately, a lot of people get formatting wrong. And they also spend an inordinate amount of time doing formatting inside of their workbooks and so my intention here is to really kind of give you and pull back the lens a little bit on some of the tips and tricks that make formatting actually quite simple and a breeze inside of excel um I see accountants, for the most part, spending way too much time formatting their workbooks, uh, when in reality it's actually quite simple, especially if we use some of the built-in features and functions like styles, uh, whether it be pivot table styles, table styles, and more. Uh, we can do those uh, with one click rather than you know combining several different formatting options together to get the same effect. And so we'll talk a little bit about how you can leverage using uh, your uh, formatting now formatting is beyond just the you know the the colors and the underlines with respect to cells there's actually some other useful things to know here you know including how zeros are displayed how dates are displayed creating custom number formats uh, and more so there's actually quite a lot within formatting and uh, out of all the chapters I this is usually the one people walk away from with some pretty good insight you know on things that they didn't know that can really help them on a day-to-day especially as it relates to kind of production gap related financial statements. Now, before we get going, i got a couple of housekeeping announcements, and then we are going to go ahead and get started here. Again, my name is Steve Yoss. I am an instructor and presenter with K2. I've been an instructor with K2 now for many years. Uh, Many of you I've had in classes before, and if you're a returning uh, student, thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure to have uh, you in our classes. And if you're a new student, Thank you. I appreciate you coming to check me out and coming to check out uh, what I have to teach here. Uh, In my life, my experience is split right down the middle. Half my life is spent writing and teaching and thinking about technology. Uh, I write anywhere from about 20 to 50 courses per year uh, on Excel, Power BI, databases, security, fraud, accounting, audit, you name it. And the other half of my life is spent doing software development in my business, Devmatics. Uh, My business, we build all different types of applications with our uh, American-based engineering team. We build mobile apps. We build integrations between different tools. We build custom databases and more. If anybody has any questions on tech, by all means, please consider me a resource. You can always reach out and I'd be happy to answer any questions or at least at the very mo- very minimum, try to point you in the right direction. All right, folks, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. And the rest of our class today will be entirely inside of Excel. Alrighty, let me show you another tool, which is going to be hyperlinks. Okay. Now, Inside of my high-value workbook, often these are workbooks I'm handing off to other people, and these are often workbooks that are going to live once I am done doing the work. Uh, meaning, I'm going to do the initial like kind of cut of the data, and then I'm going to hand it off to somebody else, and that person's going to maintain this workbook going forward. Or if it's going to be something that I'm going to use, it'll often be something that'll be I'm using monthly. Uh, It could be something that's printed and it often is going to be something that maybe even other people are going to navigate. Okay. One of the things I really like doing, so I told you, I like having my, uh, creating those three levels of workbook, but for a really like when I really want to put the finishing touches on it, I will do a table of contents inside of my workbook and I'll actually hyperlink different aspects of the document together. Uh, the benefit of this is, is that it really helps improve the navigation of this workbook, uh, especially if it's a big workbook where there's a lot of um, worksheets, interior worksheets to this. Uh, this is going to be something that I find adds a lot of value, and it makes things a lot easier to navigate. Okay, so over here, I've got an example. This is what it might look like, and you could have these different cells that you could click that would take you to wherever you might need to go, okay? Okay. Now, let me show you how you create a hyperlink inside of a workbook, okay? You can do this without creating a separate worksheet. In this case, I'm gonna go over here to Table of Contents Uncomplete. We're gonna go ahead and insert this, but you can pretty much hyperlink anything inside the application. Okay, in this case, I'm gonna come over here to uh, cell A5. I'm gonna right-click here, and right at the bottom, you'll see you have this option here that says um, Link, okay? This guy right here, you'll see it says Link. Okay, now what's kind of cool in the modern versions of Office here is that it's not only going to show you stuff inside of Excel, but it'll show you stuff other places. So if you happen to have links in your clipboard, you happen to have links to Word, PowerPoint, other recently opened files, you'll see that listed. Now, in our case, we're gonna go ahead and just click the word link though, and it's gonna pop up our insert hyperlink menu. And from here, we can link out to another third-party file, okay? Uh, We can go ahead and link and create a new document we can go ahead and link to a email and actually, you know, maybe you have like a little button that says, you know, questions, click here for support and it can automatically uh, open up the person's email client outlook and, and let them compose a message. Uh, you could link out to a website. So if you wanted to link to a specific, uh, url you know your company's website you could do that as well we're going to use this option here this is place in document and what we can do here is that we can reference it out to specific cells so like a1 in a specific workbook and we can also reference it out to define names as well and uh we can be very granular with respect to how this is presented so i mean we can have 100 percent control over the name the location everything Now, in our case here, let's just, for example, put it out to project metrics. I could specify the exact cell that I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to the top left, but if it wanted to be, you know, 30 rows down and and 20 columns over, I could write out the reference I'd like as well. In this case, we're going to go ahead and say cell one, and uh, I'm going to update the text to display. So instead of saying project metrics, a one, it just says project metrics, and it dropped that link in here. We'll do that one more time. Let's come over here and select our adjusted model. And I'm just adjusting how I want this to display make it a little bit cleaner. Okay. And now the user just needs to click that, and then we'll go ahead and snap them wherever they need to be. Okay. And you could also have an option over here that says return to table of contents that would take you back to wherever your table of contents is inside of your document. Okay. Now you could also, like for our table of contents here, this is a pro tip. You could have that, but you might think to yourself, oh man, i got to go ahead and print this document. Do I want that printed in here? Well, here's where having some of your print settings set ahead of time can be really, really helpful. From your page layout, okay, under your page layout, a couple things I would encourage you to use, but a big one here is your print area. If we switch our view over to our page layout, we can get a sense of what this will look like being printed. Now, one of the things I personally recommend you always use, you always set your print, print layout to only be the stuff that you want to print. And if I want to get rid of this return to table of content, so it doesn't print an unnecessary page for me, all I have to do is select my page layout and set my print area. So what I'll do here is I'll say, you know what, the stuff I want to print is only cells A to N. So we select those columns and we're going to go ahead and select print area, set print area like this. And guess what? When we go to print this bad boy. Okay. I'm scrolling down here. There's nothing there because it's outside of that particular print area. If we switch our view over here to our page layout, let's go to our page break preview. Actually, you'll see this, this is gray indicating that that should not be printed. So if you want to have your hyperlinks and put them over to the right, but not print them, set your print area and you could ignore those, uh, non needed things. Other things that are super useful that I often use inside of the print area, and I'll probably mention this throughout our presentation here, over here under our height and width, okay, one of the things I usually do here is I'll set this width to be one page and the height to be automatic. What's beautiful about this is that no matter how wide something gets, guess what, it's only ever going to print on one page wide, Okay, but I'll tell it it can be as many pages long as I want. And I just try to make sure that when I'm setting this up uh, that I've got that print area set. I've got that set to that one width wide. And that will ensure that my document will print accordingly. Now, you might want to, for some point, change the orientation to either be landscape or portrait, just depending on the best orientation of your data. But you could set that here. In this case, this would probably print well in either way. But landscape is what we have listed. All right, that is your hyperlinks, and uh, I use these quite often uh, with respect to kind of standardizing my uh, my look and feel. um, Because when I'm creating that high value workbook, creating those hyperlinks makes it really easy to navigate. And then for the people who I work with, they just know that you know they've got my workbooks have that standard look and feel and the way that they operate. All right, let's go ahead and go into our next section here, which is going to be utilizing air checking inside of our workbooks. And if anybody has any questions, please, by all means, please reach out. Go ahead and ask questions. I'm more than happy to answer those questions for you. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about trapping errors, okay? There's actually two different types of error checking inside of Excel that are useful. There's is error and if error, okay? Uh, And really, let's break it down a little bit more. You've got is and you've got if, okay? Um, So with respect to is and if, is just tests if an error is there, If will then do something that you can choose to conditionally do something if an error is present. What do I mean by this? Uh, So let's go ahead and just write a simple formula over here under cell D7. And so I'm going to say, is DC7 equal to B7? And of course, that's going to come up as false. Okay. If you use is error formula, like is error like this. You could test, and all that's going to do is just tell you if a if an error is present. This actually is not uh, an error because it is actually correct. I mean, this is what this formula is choosing to do, but it just returns back a boolean value uh, if this is uh, if this is uh, an error or not. Uh, let's just go ahead and make this an error. Actually, let's just do a simple divide by zero. Okay, you'll see that div zero here because you can't divide anything by zero. You'll notice that is error will pop up and say yes. So it just tests to see if an error is there or not, okay? Now, as useful as that is, we can use if error, okay? What if error will do is it will check to see if a cell is an error and then conditionally do something about it. So let's come down here, for example, in cell C15. And you'll see we have, actually, sorry, let's come down here to cell C35, Okay. We've got our balance sheet. Okay. Here's the total of our assets. If we come down here to our liabilities, here is the total of our liabilities, so on and so forth. And ideally we want to see if these two cells are the same. Okay. What we could do is we can do a little quick comparison here. And so we can go ahead and do, uh, this should equal this. And thankfully it does. We can see that it is true. Okay, now we could write a little if error formula here that will check to see if these two things are true. And if they are, we'll do something. And if not, we'll do something different. Okay, and it's a logical formula where we're comparing two things together and then doing something if true and something if false. Okay, so we can, for example, uh, do a equals if here and what we could say is we want to compare this to this and if it's true we can go ahead and say in balance and if not we can say not in balance like this okay and sure enough it pops up now if this changes one number so let's just go ahead and change this to one we can go ahead and conditionally show this message if not in balance um, if we were to write a formula in here, and if there was an f- error in that particular formula, we could also write an if error formula, and if that, uh, if for example, comes up to being uh, an error inside of the calculation, it can also do something conditionally as well. And so we could display an error message like, "Hey, you know, not there," um, or "not in balance," or something else of that nature. Okay, so often for balance sheets, uh, especially things where they're going to balance, where there's some sort of math operation, I'll find myself using is, if, and uh, ifs, those kind of three different formulas here, and writing conditional tests to see if these three things balance or not. Okay, now with respect to your logic formulas, there's only three operations here. You've got what you're testing, what to do if true, and then what to do if false. Uh, and in our particular example here, uh, we're evaluating self to C35 to C61. Okay, we're looking at this number plus the other number down below. And if true, display the message in balance. If not true, we can go ahead and display in a, the different message here, which is not in balance. Now, we can display text. We could use another formula. We could... Um, you know, display nothing at all, just depending on what we would like to accomplish with respect to our air checking formula here. And if we want to display nothing at all, it's as simple as, for example, two quotes, like something as being in balance. I don't really need to see a message related to that. So if I put two quotes here instead of a message, uh, it's basically going to display nothing. It's going to display a null value here. And if I do that, OK, and we go ahead and we change this back to not being in balance or being in balance. I mean, uh, we'll see that that message, in fact, goes away. And uh, if there were some sort of error in this, um, we would know about it. And then that's a great way of kind of being able to understand when there are errors inside of your calculations. OK, so you've got if if error is error and you can actually test for specifically um you can actually test uh, with respect to uh, specific types of errors as well. Uh, so, NA you can test for uh, is ref and other things like this. So, if you want to test for specific error messages, uh, you can. Alrighty. Now we can also do something very similar here with respect to conditional formatting, okay? Now conditional formatting, if you're not familiar with it, is gonna be over here under the home ribbon. And you'll see this guy smack dab here right in the middle, it says conditional formatting. And with this conditional formatting, we can do and apply formatting rules to something under specific conditions. Uh, What it does is it will apply formatting rules to the cell if it matches the specific conditions that that formatting rule should apply. Uh, So as an example here, we could uh, highlight specific cells if they are above or below a certain value or equal to a specific value. Uh, We can, for example, highlight our top 10 or our bottom 10. We can also do other types of uh, visual appearance as well, including things like data bars, which will create a bar across our data showing how large that item is compared to the population. Likewise, we can do heat analysis with color scales, and we can even do iconography. Now, also under conditional formatting, you'll see this other new rule listed here. And we can also write uh, errors. We can also trap for particular errors using conditional formatting too. And if it is, for example, out of balance, we could turn this cell a specific color. And we do so by creating our own formatting rule. Okay. So we're going to highlight, in this case, cell B35. We're going to come over here to Conditional Formatting. And instead of selecting one of the pre-built rules, we're going to go ahead and select New Rule. And in this case, we're going to go ahead and select this option down here that says Use a Formula to Determine what cells should be formatted. And in this particular case, we're going to go ahead and write a very simple formula. We're going to say Equals This. And we're going to say not equal to, in this case, B61. Okay. So if these two are not equal, then go ahead and change the color. And so let's just go ahead and make this color maybe red. And we'll make our font over here white. Okay. And we'll go ahead and click OK. And right now you'll notice it's white, you know, because they're equal to each other. Okay, if we change this to one other number, so we increment this by one, you'll see here that that conditional formatting can kick in and we can see that that number turned red and white, uh, indicating that that is not in balance. So you could do your air trapping with uh, either a formula as we've got over here using uh, the if the ifs. Okay, and we can also do that exact same operation with respect to our um, with respect to conditional formatting as well. Kind of cool. Let me show you a little bit more with respect to that if form if error as well. This might answer according to it. Okay. Now I'm going to go ahead and just remove our formula here. Oops, I got a separate worksheet for that. Okay. So. If error is really useful primarily for formula-based operations. You can use it anywhere. It's what we refer to as a wrapping formula, uh, meaning it wraps around other stuff inside your workbook. So um, usually where I have presentation and there could be an error, uh, in this particular case, there's a reason like we are getting an error here is because we're dividing by zero if error can be really helpful for those presentation worksheets to suppress that error message to either display something as a more friendly message or to not display anything at all. Okay. Now in this particular example, we're getting an error because we're dividing by zero. Okay. In this particular instance, it's an error for sure, but it's not really an error in logic. It's just, Hey, I have no inventory on hand, so I can't, you know, divide by zero. And if I had one unit, I would see the appropriate uh, calculation occurring. Okay, but you'll see here we've got our div zero, and we've also got our div zero over here as well. And so what I'll often do when there's going to be a lookup or something else along that means is I will wrap that formula in if error. Okay, so I'm going to come over here to cell D3, and in the front of this, wrapping around the normal formula here, we're going to go ahead and type in if error. Okay, we'll auto-complete it by typing in if e and then autocomplete to if error. And there's only two parameters here. There is the formula that you're doing and then what to do if an error message occurs. So in this particular case, if I wanted to maybe return a zero, I could do a comma zero. And if there is an error, it will return a zero. Now let's just copy that formula down to the next row here. And so we can see here on this next row that we're getting 662. Well, if error only displays that message if there is an error, otherwise it displays whatever value present. If I change this to a zero though, you'll see it now executes and will display that other zero. Uh, alternatively, we could put two double quotes here, display nothing at all, and so it keeps that cell blank. We can also put something in between these two quotes like this, and we'll get a nice little message saying not in inventory. Okay, so anywhere that you have the potential risk where you could have an error message displayed, go ahead and use that if error. It's going to do a great job with respect to suppressing those unnecessary uh, unnecessary uh, um, error messages. And uh, generally, it will just kind of make everything look a little bit simpler and, and cleaner on your workbooks. Okay. I did get a question here saying, Hey, can we please go through the formatting of the hyperlink? So it doesn't show the cell super simple there. Uh, David, when you go to create your, uh, link, let's just go ahead and link this cell, maybe to somewhere else inside of our workbook. Okay. When we choose that place in document here, let's go actually over here to a blank cell. Okay. And we go to go place something in this document here. What you want to modify here is going to be under that text to display okay and that text to display you could make it be whatever you want it to be so i could type in this is what i want the link uh to say okay and in doing so it's actually going to put that that text in there okay and so that's how you modify it now at the very minimum if you don't want the cell location when you go to point it somewhere All you have to do is just update that and remove in this case a1 and it will remove that cellular position please let me know if that answers your question all righty moving along making good time making good progress let's go ahead and talk a little bit with respect to growing our data as future information is popping up here okay and we're going to go ahead and take a look here at our data for expansion All right. So if you're going to be expecting future data, there's a couple of specific things that you should know when you're designing your worksheet. Okay. So first off, if it's a quick and dirty worksheet that you're not going to set up using Power Query, where you're going to be dynamically fetching data at a very, very minimum, what you should do if you're expecting your data set to grow is ensure that when you're writing your workbooks and worksheets, that you include an additional blank column or blank row. Okay. Now, ideally you'll use a table for this. Ideally you'll use power query for this because generally this is a better way of handling it. But if you're just doing a down and dirty quick workbook and you expect this data set to grow, when you do this, if you include a blank row or a blank column here, and you include that in the scope of your cells, when you go to insert a new column or a new row, Like in this case, I'm including a new column here for seven, or a new row here for seven, as well as in a new column over here for F. Okay, let me do that one more time. Actually, I want to click on my blank column here and insert it this way. Uh, We'll see that that formula will automatically expand to include that new adjacent blank column, or over here, we'll see it included that additional blank row. Uh, So if you have any expectation for your data to expand, go ahead and include a blank row or a blank column. Generally, I tend to avoid doing this. Tables will be a better method for you for dealing with dynamic data sets. But if you're just doing a simple workbook and you expect this data to grow at some point in the future include that additional blank column or blank row in your formula calculations. And when you insert and make sure when you do the insert, you're doing it from within the data set, you're doing it from that blank row or somewhere within the scope of that row in that formula. And it will ensure that that formula automatically expands. Now, where I screwed up a minute ago, over here, when I added that column, I did so from F. Okay. And so I'm highlighting F and inserting. Well, that did not expand that, uh, column accordingly. In this case, I want to select the blank column in here and insert it from this, uh, because then it will get picked up. Alrighty, Let's go ahead and move on and let's go ahead and take a look at our next item, which are going to be templates. All right. So what are templates templates are pretty much pre-built worksheets that you can choose to use that can have a bunch of your logic, your preset options, stuff set up for you. I use templates all over the place. Uh, every time I write a proposal in word, I'm using a template. Every time I do a financial analysis in Excel, I'm using a template It allows me to preset my worksheets, allows me to preset my fonts, allows me to preset a lot of the things I normally do here. And it saves me a lot of time and effort overall. Uh, With respect to your templates, you can create templates for whatever you might need to be. Uh, Let me show you quickly over here under the new menu. Okay. Excel's got a ton of templates here uh, that I've never used. And I'm sure most of you don't either. And it's not that they're bad. It's just generally they're not what I'm looking for. And they're generally a lot more graphic focused and my t- stuff tends to be much more text focused. Um, but you know, these are great examples to kind of show you, like, here's an example of a, you know, calendar as a template, you can create your own templates here and they're pretty simple. Okay. Let's say we wanted to create a template here for a financial statement. And let's say it's that high value, uh, work sh- workbook I was talking about. And we've got, for example, our control worksheet, which is going to have all of our, uh, variables, we're gonna have another worksheet over here and this one's gonna have our raw data. Okay, and let's just say we got another one over here and it's gonna be our trans presentation. Okay, these are just general broad examples of uh, of how templates work here. And, you know, like we might, for example, choose, like, for this particular presentation workbook, it you know, it should be this font, it should be this color. You know, we might say this column, this column, this column. You know, it might want to, for example, have uh, specific background colors. Ideally in here, you would probably have something a little bit more robust set up. But the point of this is you can create a template very simply by just presetting your work. Uh, And then once you kind of come up with your preset work, come on over here to the file menu, drop down here to save. And instead of choosing to save this as a standard Excel workbook, if you choose the option here, Excel Template, Watch what happens. So first off, I'm going to go ahead and select this Excel template. Notice it changes the path of my directory. And it's actually going to store these things in your documents folder. And you have a special folder in here called custom office templates. And this is where all your templates will live. Now, if it's not just you, it's other people in your business. You're all doing the same thing. Maybe it's balance sheet reconciliation saving these as a template and then sharing those templates is going to preset a lot of those options, making future work, not only for yourself, but if you share this with your office, simpler, faster, easier, and more consistent. Okay. I'm just going to save this as an example, call this a financial statement reconciliation, and we'll go ahead and hit save and we'll close Excel here. Now, when I go to open Excel, okay and i go to create a new file here notice that under our templates section here we have office we have personal we'll actually see those templates that we created here and it will create a template from that file and when we go to save that file it's going to prompt me to automatically create that as a new file name and so templates are a fabulous way to kind of uh, kind of preset your work and make life again faster simpler and easier a couple of other things with respect to templates that you should know if you come over here to the file menu, and from the file menu, drop down here to options. Okay, over here under the options menu, you can actually access a couple of other template options which are super useful for you to know. Uh, for example, over here, this is where you could specify the font, how many worksheets are included, what view you're in. Um, you could set that. If you come over here to the data option, you'll see this make changes to default layouts of pivot tables, we'll talk a bit about pivot tables later, we can actually template our pivot tables, including, you know, what type of pivot table we want to use. And also with respect to, uh, what view that we take with respect to those pivot tables, like, for example, is it in the compact, the outline, the tabular format, whether or not we have totals on or off subtotals, so on and so forth. So you can go ahead and set templates in many different aspects of the file, uh, inside of the application. Now, lastly, you can actually set anything inside of Excel as a template. Uh, You can actually modify the core templates of the application. There's actually two there is uh, the workbook template, and then there is the worksheet template. The worksheet template is when you click down here, this little plus, and you add a new worksheet. That's a template. And there's also the workbook, which is every time you hit Control N and it creates its own template as well. So here's an example. I personally love the accounting format and that's what I use 100% of the time. And so let's say, and by default though, it's using the general format. And let's just say I wanna tell Excel every time I'm using a workbook here to auto default to the accounting format and specifically to that comma style, okay? Well, what we can do here is we can create either a template for a workbook or a template for a worksheet. Uh, Work book enabled features would be saved as book.xltx. worksheet centric features like formatting to specific cells, columns, and rows will be saved to sheet.xltx. Now, in this particular case, let's say I want to override the default number formatting for Excel. And so every time I create a new workbook, it is uh, going to take that new option. In this case, it's going to go to that comma format. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to modify that core template of this application. And I'm going to do so by going to a specific file on my computer to do that. All right, so bear with me here. This is a little complicated to be able to go and find. Um, well, I should say it's not really complicated for me, but if you've never looked at it before, it could certainly be a little complicated for you. Open up explore. In this case, you can hit the Windows key and E. It's going to pop up the file Explorer here. And you're going to go to your root C like this. Now from your root C, we're going to come over here to our users directory. You're going to navigate from the users directly, find your username It should say your name. In this case, uh, we're logged in as a CPU today account. Okay. And you're going to specifically look for a folder called app data. And you might look here and you might say, Steve, I don't see a folder called app data. And the answer is you won't. It's a hidden folder. We got to come over here, click these little three dots go ahead and select either our our, uh, properties section here and show our hidden folders. Or if we click over here to our view and show, we can also select it over here under hidden items, and you will then see that app data folder pop up. From here, you're going to click into app data. You're going to then click into the roaming directory, click into the Microsoft directory, click into the Excel directory, and then finally click into this Excel start Okay. And for you, you're probably going to see two files in here called book.xltx and sheet.xltx. And those would be your default templates. Now, if you don't see anything listed, well, you got to create your default templates. And you do so by going into a blank workbook and saving this default workbook as save as over here. And what you would want to save this as would be a template. And so if we wanted to, we're going to go ahead and create sheet dot x, we're going to just create one called sheet here. And we're going to go ahead and save it into our default folder. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and shape save this as sheet dot All right, and off no, dang it. Excel, Excel start, and we're going to save this as sheet template. Okay, and now that that folder is saved in, or that file is saved in here, Excel will use this anytime it creates a new worksheet. Okay, so uh, we've got our sheet.xltx. Let me just go ahead and delete a couple things here because I don't need them. And let's uh, just to exaggerate this, I am going to uh, highlight a couple columns here. Okay, so I've gone ahead and I've created these. I'm going to close Excel completely just again, so you can see that it is not open. Okay. So we don't have anything open and we're going to go ahead and create a new Excel file. Okay. And when we go to create that new worksheet, boom, there you go. You see those two columns are highlighted because why it is pulling off of this template that I set up. Okay. So any options that you want to preset inside of your workbook, you can create them and save them in the work in the book.xltx file, which would be the macro level, uh, like the big, uh, workbook centric features, or you can save it in the sheet.xltx, which would be the template for every time that Excel goes and creates that new sheet. And it'll follow whatever options that you set forth. Alrighty. Very cool. That's a little bit about templates. I'll point out the way that these templates work are identical in word. Same thing. You can modify your core Excel or your core word format uh, as well. And for your core uh, word processing, and it'll follow whatever preset options you set up. All right, let's go ahead and take a look at iterative calculations. Alrighty. Now, this is a simple thing, and this is a a very, very niche feature that you might need. And what this is, is every once in a while, you might need to create a formula that is iterative and circular, okay? Nine times out of 10, if you get this error that says, hey, there are one or more circular references where a formula refers to itself, nine times out of 10, this is an error. Occasionally, though, it's not. And it depends on the specific type of analysis that you're doing, okay? Uh, Certain things like for example, uh, figuring out your federal and state income tax deductions. Well, that's an iterative calculation. Your federal return allows you to deduct state taxes and state taxes are dependent on the federal amount. And so you kind of have this like circular thing. I can't determine one without the other. Another common example in the accounting world is when we have, for example, um, pension deductions and employer, um, retirement deductions. You know, you might, for example, make a deduction uh, to net income as it relates to pension obligations that are dependent on the net income of the company. You know, like, for example, we might say for our profit sharing plan, we contribute 10% of net income to our employees. Well, that's also a deduction to net income. And I can't determine that without deducting it, but I can't deduct it without determining it. And so you can see here, it creates this, this kind of logic loop. Now, there is a feature inside of Excel called Iterative Calculations, which will allow a formula to calculate it itself to determine its own value. OK, and uh, what we have to do is we just have to turn this on. It's a workbook centric feature. So it's on for a specific workbook and it's off uh, unless you specifically turn it on. And so in this case, I've got my income tax deductions here, and I've tried to determine my state income tax deduction for my federal return. Uh, but you can see here, again, it's kind of circular and logic with respect to its, uh, how it gets calculated. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to come on over here to our file menu. We're going to drop down here to options. And from options, we're going to go ahead and select under the f- formulas section here. Okay. On the right-hand side, you'll see this option here that says Iterative Calculations. And this will attempt to calculate itself up to 100 times, allowing 0.001 change per iteration. And if we select this, okay, and we go ahead and click OK here, it'll go away. Okay? And what it'll do is it'll actually do the calculation for this and will calculate itself accordingly. And so if you have that specific need where you need to create a circular reference and you need it to be able to calculate itself, well, guess what? This is going to be the way that that is done. All righty. Well, folks, that is the end of chapter one. Let's go ahead and Move on here and start chapter two. And if anybody has any questions, use that chat box. Go ahead and let me know what those questions are, and I will do my best to try to answer those questions for you. All right. So in chapter two, we are going to go ahead and look at some of the essentials with respect to formatting. And uh, I want to show you some useful and helpful tips and tricks with respect to formatting your workbooks uh, so that you get a better sense and handle over making them look a specific way. So, we're going to talk about some features such as the format painter, wrapping text, indentation. I'm going to talk about number formatting, which is this particular section over here. There's actually quite a lot to unpack with respect to formatting inside of Excel. Okay. Uh, We'll talk about how the accounting format works and how underlining is better than actually using cell borders when you want to do a double underline as an example there. We'll talk a little bit about. uh, Custom number formats, we'll talk a little bit about how we can leverage styles to get uh, kind of pre-built looks and feels with respect to our data um, and more. There's a lot to unpack here in this particular section. And uh, hopefully you're going to walk away with some different ways of kind of formatting your data more effectively. Okay, Now where we're going to get started here today is with respect to kind of getting a sense of how we can format uh, multiple things together and also leveraging our um, uh, and also leveraging our um, format painter okay so you should know that uh, there's different ways of being able to select stuff inside of Excel you can either select discreetly or contiguously just depending on what your specific needs are. Uh, So as an example here, if I wanted to select contiguous things, I hold down shift and I have a start cell and I have an end cell. Like in this case, I'm coming down here to cell uh, row 19. If I hold down shift, it's going to select everything contiguous between that top row and that bottom row. I can also discreetly select things by instead holding down control. So if I wanted to haphazardly click around here and select these un- connected, uh, non-contiguous or at least not contiguous for the most part cells, uh, I can go ahead and stylize all of those as well. And I can go ahead and do that that way. Okay so shift or control both very useful i'm going to point out a couple other useful quick shortcuts that i think you should know uh, for example control shift down control shift end so let's say i wanted to highlight this whole row if i hold down control shift and the down arrow it's going to select everything until there is a blank uh, cell in this case uh, we've got a blank row on row 21 here but if i want to select a whole row i can do that likewise i can do that with the left and right for I'm sorry, that was a whole column. If I use the left and right, I can do the same thing for a uh, row here and I can go ahead and do the down arrow there, holding down shift and control and also select those other cells as well. Now, if I, uh, for example, use the control and I'm not holding down shift, I can also quickly navigate to all different aspects of this uh, data set. And if I hold down control in the arrows, it will take me in this case, if I hold down control right to the rightmost. Uh, column in that array. If I hold down control and hit up, it'll take me to the most upper cell of that array, the most contiguous. And, uh, that's a great way of being able to navigate your workbook. And often I'm using control shift and the arrow keys to select whatever I'd like to select. And if I need to select multiple items, that's the easiest way of doing it. Now you also have uh, home. Okay. Home will take you to the furthest left and will uh, also take you to the furthest right. And you can also do control shift home and control shift end. Uh, If I select control shift end here as an example, it will select everything uh, below and to the right of that particular uh, uh, cell. Okay, and if I hit it uh, repeatedly, you know, like uh, with home and end, I can ultimately end up selecting everything inside of this data set. Okay, now we can also we can also use what's called the format painter, right? Okay. The format painter is going to be under the home ribbon, far left-hand side, and it's actually a copy and paste operation inside of your data. And so with the format painter, what's kind of nifty is we can pick a cell like this cell over here. And if I want to create an identical copy of the visual appearance of that, I click that format painter and I can go ahead and I can stylize another cell quickly and easily. Okay. Now that format painter also going to be present inside of word. If we're inside of word, you'll see that presented there. Same within PowerPoint. Okay. Now here's a quick tip that you probably didn't know, or at least I didn't know until uh, a couple years ago, you could actually double click the format painter here and that will lock the format painter. So if you have lots of cells to stylize and you don't want to have to keep going back and selecting that thing. If you double click the format painter, it'll lock onto a particular cell here. And then you can paste as many as you want. You can actually go between and you could paste in other worksheets as well. So that is something that you could uh, potentially use. that format painter has saved my bacon on multiple occurrences, okay? Now we can also adjust multiple columns as well, and multiple rows. So if we wanna select all columns and rows, those same principles apply as well. And in fact, we can select in this case, maybe multiple columns concurrently here. And uh, if we wanted to make them all smaller, we'll select B, C, F, and H, and we can drag them all to be a little bit smaller and everything ends up fitting a little bit better. All right, let's go to our next example here, utilizing the accounting format and styling options as well. Okay, so i got a couple of things I want to show you here, and let me show you how your data should look. And so here's a really simple example, income statement versus budget. And from this income statement versus budget, uh, what we have here is a very, very, very nice uh, stylized way that this data ultimately should end up being presented. Okay. Uh, we're using the accounting format, which is going to be up here. I'll talk about that here in a moment. We've got our number formats set correctly. We've got our underlines set for correctly. Uh, we have, um, For example, uh, our double underlines, our single underlines with their subtotals. We've got our our currency symbols, our decimal points all line up correctly. And we're also using a feature up here, which I'll talk about, called center across selection. Okay. Uh, Meaning uh, where we can center something across a selection of cells, but it um, doesn't actually merge those cells together. Okay. Now I've got an unformatted version of this, and let's make this version look like this version. I'm going to walk you through how I personally would set up a, a report for presentation purposes and why uh, this particular method is going to be a little bit more effective. And for our purposes, let's actually clear all the formatting out and let's just make this 100% blank and let's actually go and stylize our workbook effectively here. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is going to be the importance of getting your number format correct here. Okay, Now, over here under the home ribbon, you'll see that uh, we've got our number format listed. And in that number format, uh, there are several different presentation options. And by default, you have what's called the general format, which works pretty good most of the time, but we're financial professionals. Nine times out of 10, we're doing some sort of financial analysis. You should know there is a accounting centric format. There's actually two. Uh, You'll see the number currency symbol, and you also see that comma symbol and the percent symbol. And then these three collectively are known as the accounting format. Most of the time though, we're using the currency symbol and we're using the comma symbol. Okay. Now over on the far right there, you'll see that decimal point That's the precision. And so you can increase or decrease the decimal point presented. Okay. Now, whenever you're starting to get started with your formatting, it's going to be best. You set your number format first before you start changing other stuff. What you want to do is select your number format. And so generally this is why I set my accounting style, that comma style to be in my sheet, because I will have preset an option, and it's just one less thing to select here. But for our purposes, what we're gonna do, we're actually gonna select this whole sheet and we're gonna select comma, okay? And watch what happens immediately when I select that. I'm gonna do it a few times here, I'm gonna toggle back and forth. Notice when I hit that comma, notice that immediately uh, my numbers get uh, double decimal points and notice also even for text, it gets slightly indented, okay? You should know the number formatting doesn't just apply to, for example, the commas and uh, the number sign. It actually has a different visual appearance on pretty much everything about this cell. And so even for text, you can set this as that accounting style, and it's going to improve the way these financial statements are presented. And so we're going to go ahead and select our comma style here. Okay. Now, once this is presented, let's go ahead and go to our next part. And for our next part here, looking at our report, uh, let's get our titles correct. And then we'll go ahead and move on from here. Okay. Now for our titles, correct. Uh, we can see that this is blue. It's also bold. It's got some, uh, some nice, uh, uh font increased size a different color. Okay. Now, I can come on over here and I could, for example, set all these options manually, okay? I could, for example, come over here and change this uh, and set all these, but to get that exact color, style, everything, I mean, you're talking five or six different menus to get everything selected. Alternatively though, we can come on over here to the styles section and what these styles are, these are pre built visual appearances with respect to how a cell should be formatted. And so what we can choose to do here, for example, is select heading one or title or whatever we'd like it to be. And guess what? When I click one thing, boom, it's going to take on that visual appearance. I don't have to, in this case, change all these other options to get them the way I want them to be. Uh, what I will encourage you to use is to use these style options and these style options make everything simpler, faster, and easier with respect to your UI and to your visual appearance. Okay. And so, um, what I would encourage you to use here is set these different styles the way you want. And if you got something like over here, I don't want an underline on heading three, not a problem. You can go ahead and right click like modify. And in this case, I'm going to turn off my border here and it will not include that because I've turned that off and you could select whatever styles you'd like them to be. Okay. And instead of having to select those manually, guess what? One click done. Okay. And I will point out these styles can be shared across workbooks. You can merge styles across multiple sheets. Your best option though, is to save this into your book.xltx template, and then it'll be present in every workbook you choose to use. Okay. but styles are fantastic. It's not only going to make it faster, easier to actually select your formatting, but it's also going to make them consistent. And you can also right-click on any of these, adjust them, and wherever that style is being used, it will adjust accordingly throughout your workbook. So if you need to update the color, the, the font, great. One click, you've done it, and you've updated it everywhere. All right, so the next thing is you'll notice on this completed report, these are centered. Okay. Okay. But I want you to notice they're not actually merged and centered. There's an option here right in the alignment section called Merge and Center, okay? Don't use this, okay? If you merge and center stuff, like let's say I wanted to merge and center this across this, what this ends up doing is it ends up merging cell A1 through these additional columns. So we actually lose those columns in our presentation. Now, the problem with this is, is it makes, for issues with respect to other things you might choose to do. Like a VLOOKUP, for example, cannot m- look across merged cells. It just won't work. So whenever possible, don't use that Merge and Center. But you're like, you know, hey, Steve, I want to still this have this across this selection here. Well, guess what? You can use another option called Center Across Selection, which gives you the effect of Merge and Center without actually merging your cells across. Now, unfortunately, there's no menu option here, and there's not even a way to access this on the quick access toolbar. Uh, you have to go into the format cell options in order to be able to enable this, or you can do what I've done where I've created a macro that will do this particular operation, and then I map that macro to a button on my Excel toolbar. To access the center cross selection, we're going to go ahead and select these cells that we'd like to see it centered across, and then we're going to click this little down arrow. And from that little down arrow, we're going to come to our format cell option. And then from here, we can actually access other formatting options that are not present in the toolbar. In this case, we're going to choose this option, center across selection. And now that cell is now centered, but we did not lose these other cells. I can still access them, which are going to be much preferred with respect to our formula operations. I'm going to select these other cells over here. We're going to do the same thing center cross selection very nicely and centered as well. Okay. So we've got our header correct here. Okay. We can bold those, unbold those, whatever we might need them to be. I'm going to unbold them for our purposes here. And let's talk about our next thing. Okay. So we've got in millions of dollars and then we've got these items listed. Okay. So I'm going to merge and I'm going to go ahead and bold this. And I'm going to merge this in millions of dollars across these other cells as well. So we're going to go ahead and select that center across selection. Okay. And that has gone ahead and done this. Okay. And then you're also going to notice on this one, we've got our our header rows here, those are also underlined as well. Okay. Now we're going to increase the size of row six here. And then what we're going to choose to do here for this is that we're going to choose the option of wrapping text. And what wrapping text will do, if you have a cell like adjusted budget or variance from budget, and it's not wrapped, it's going to continue to expand to the adjacent cell to the right. If we don't want it to do that, though, what we can choose to do is we can select these cells and wrap them. And what this will end up doing is it will force them to the column width, and then we'll wrap the text to lines below it. Okay. Now you can also, Uh, If we go ahead and we make this cell a little bit bigger, and I'm doing this for demonstration purposes, I'm going to set this back here in a moment. We can also manually input in our uh, breaks if we'd like to do so as well. So we click into this particular cell, and then we can go ahead and we can do an Alt-Enter And we can force something down to a specific row. Now, that only works though if the text is wrapped. And from here, if we wanted to wrap and then force each of these cells to their own line, we just do so by that Alt Enter and we'll force those cells, uh, those words, into separate rows inside of our cell. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap these cells here. This looks good. Uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and purposely change something to illustrate a point with respect to underlines. I'm gonna come back to underlines here in a minute as well. I'm gonna purposely set this back over here to our general format. Okay, now a big no-no, do not use cell borders when you want to underline stuff. Okay, a lot of you and most accountants don't know this. Cell borders are not to be used when you want to underline something for a heading a subtotal or a total for lots of different reasons. If I put a cell border here as an example, it's gonna be one contiguous line across these different cells. And uh, it's just generally gonna merge all your different uh, columns together. It just doesn't look as nice. The other big reason is if I remove values from my report and I've provided a cell border, well, guess what? that cell border continues to exist because it's not tied to the value. Ideally, if there's nothing there, I don't want a border there to begin with or an underline to be there to begin with. So what we actually want to do is instead of using a cell border, we actually want to utilize our number formatting and we want to utilize our underlying here. So I purposely set this to the general. And I want to illustrate something. If I use the general format and I underline stuff, Notice how it underlines every single word. Variance from budget, adjusted budget. Notice those are completely underlined. If we come back over here to our completed report, though, notice I only have my underline under the bottom of that cell. It's not underlying every word. It's just underlying the bottom of that particular cell. How do I do this? This is actually set from the number format, not uh, it being set by the number format being set to the accounting style rather than the general style. Okay, if we instead change this to the comma style, we will get that to be properly underlined. So I've gone ahead and changed this to the accounting style and notice it's still not correct. Okay. Well, this comes back to why I set the accounting style first, and then I do my operations. If you change the number format, After you've underlined something or after you've done other visual appearance changes, you actually have to turn them off and turn them back on to get the exact appearance. So in this case, if I turn off my underline and then turn it back on, you'll see now that is properly underlined with our bottom row only being underlined and not every individual word. Okay. Likewise, over here, we'll go ahead and turn on our underlying format there, and we'll see that it extends that a proper way. Okay, let's go ahead and turn on our currency style, which is going to add the currency style to this. It's going to add the, in this case, the money sign to the far right. Down here, let's go ahead and provide an underline. Notice that underline works correct. And down here, let's go ahead and turn on our currency sign. And we will also, in this case, not just underline it, but double underline it. And we'll do so by clicking the little down arrow under the underline menu, and then instead selecting double underline. We can go ahead and bold these rows if we want, and bold these columns if we want. Let's double check. Yep, that looks about right. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, different styles here in a little bit, but just know that when it comes to applying your number formatting options here, uh, it's more than just you know selecting the comma style and it puts a comma in your big numbers here. Uh, it has a number of different appearance options as it relates to your data a couple other things to kind of point out with respect to when you're using the accounting format i want you to know your decimal points will always line up will not always occur inside of the um, uh, general format in fact if we uh, as long as we have the same precision across our data those will always pop up likewise our currency sign will always align regardless of how big or small we make this data. Additionally, if we make our columns really narrow, something you'll also point out, these lines across these different columns will never touch. So you'll always have enough visual separation in your data and the like. So really, really, really useful with respect to adjusting your UI. And so first set your number format, then do whatever number operations and whatever visual appearance options you'd like. Okay. Now, if you end up with a report like this, where you got some sort of weird spacing, uh, you'll notice over here, we've got Southern, Eastern, Midwestern, and you'll notice our Eastern is slightly indented. Okay. If you click in here, you'll notice it snaps over to the left, but you might click in here to this Eastern and you're like, man, is there an extra space? You'll notice that won't go away. Okay, that actually has to do with the alignment of the cell, which is a little bit different. It's this guy up here where you can either increase or decrease our indent. And sometimes even decreasing this, you'll find this won't work and won't actually get rid of the issue. The best way of getting rid of this, if you've got something that's weirdly aligned, just use that number format painter, format painter here. And you just click whatever cell you'd like it to be. And then that will go ahead and properly align that for you. All right. Let's, I'm gonna show you one last thing we're gonna go ahead and take a break here using multiple formats within a single cell, okay? There's two different ways of being able to format your stuff inside of Excel. You can either do it in the formula bar, which is gonna be up top here, or you can actually double click and you can do formatting inside of the cell itself. Now, when you do stuff in the formula bar, like you'll see here that that two is a superscript. In the formula bar, it's just represented as a two. Okay, but if you come down here, you'll see that as a superscript. If you click into the cell you want, let's say we wanted to create as an example here, a uh, superscript three for our crude vacation. Don't make the change up in the formula bar. Put your number or your change in the actual cell itself. Then you can select that. And although you can't modify most things about the, Uh, cell presentation, like the number formatting, those options are going to be away. You will notice you still have access to your whole font menu. And from here, you could select a specific selection of your cell. And this is going to be where you could, for example, indicate by going into the additional font menu options here, that this is in fact a superscript. And if we select this, you'll see that that now goes to a superscript of three. And you can color or underline or uh, change the background or uh, I guess you can't change the background, but you can change the color of whatever selection you want. And so this is a great way if you need to produce footnotes uh, to be able to get that data in there. And it's as simple as just selecting the cell selecting what uh, you'd like inside of that CLL. And then from the font menu uh, work group in the home ribbon, you can go ahead and you can override whatever that default setting is. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back in the office the next time around.